Hello, and welcome to your Pointers for Parents podcast, where we support parents. You all already know, with anxiety as it relates to teens transitioning out of the home after high school, whether we're heading off to the college campus, the military base, or it could simply be residential interdependence. Listen, I am so excited today. We have Lisa Stewart. Uh, she's with us. Her and I have communicated back and forth uh, for quite a while, and I'm so excited that she she's here because she has an area of expertise as it relates to interacting with students who learn slightly different. And so uh, and she will tell us all about that. And I'm so very excited that she's here. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. And so let me ask you this, because typically our listeners typically want to um, uh, really understand and really know the individual who is um, speaking with them and who's sharing their area of expertise. And so just a fun question uh, as we're starting off, and if you can share with us if you'd like to, if you uh, have a favorite beverage or maybe you have a favorite quote or even your morning routine. And so which one of those would you like to share a little bit more with us as it relates to yourself? Well, I mean, my morning routine is pretty typical for a parent. <laughs> I get up in the morning and I get my <laughs> uh, neurodiverse kid out the door and it's a lot of hurry, hurry, hurry. And just getting him through the paces, trying to get him ready for life, right? Get him yes. on the box. And then I sit down for about 15 minutes with the morning coffee and just compose myself before sitting down to work. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm sure that that time is very valuable in order to, of course, make sure that your mind is, is in place and that you're going to have a great day. So how are students within special education in their high schools, how are they prepared for college? So as you know, I'm a special education advocate. So I advocate for kids from kindergarten to 12th grade that have special needs. So as we're in high school and we're preparing to move on to college life, one of the things that we need to do is to build our skills to be successful. This is kind of the place where we're able to make our mistakes, learn from them, but we want to find and practice the tools and the skills that we're going to need to be successful beyond high school. So I really encourage parents to help their kids uh, embrace their disability, to learn more about it, to become comfortable talking about the things, their strengths and their weaknesses, to figure out what those strengths and weaknesses are and how to play off of them. Parents or educators were really focused on trying to fix our kids' weaknesses, and we miss that finding their strengths and helping them develop them so that they can use that to their advantage as they go through life. And then we want to teach our kids how to self-advocate, and we should start that from a really early age. But high school is really the time where we're teaching our kids to find their voice so that they can say, hey, this is what's going to help me be successful. This is what I need to be able to complete this task or job or class. And it's high school is a great time where we put those accommodations into a list, and they can take that list with them and modify it through life to communicate with employers, with professors, with partners as they go about their life. I love that, Lisa. I love that. And you, that's very interesting. The last comment you made in reference to having the accommodations 
and taking those accommodations with them to the next level, whether that's to the college campus and throughout life. Now, that's that's very that's enlightening. So not only is that a reminder for them, then that's a reminder for whomever they may even be interacting with so that they can know how to interact with them or teach them or help them to learn. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, and then you mentioned also to Mm self-advocate. I'm sure that you teach in your practice certain types of skills that would help parents, of course, to then instruct their teens or their children how to advocate for themselves. Absolutely. And that's, it's so important in life that your kids are able to voice the things that they need and that the people that are listening to them can respect and mm-hmm. support them in that advocacy. And it's, it's hard. It's hard when they're in high school mm-hmm. because they're not quite taken seriously. And it's even hard. Even I have neurotypical kids that are in college and in their College life, sometimes as a parent, you feel this need that you want to step in because they still don't have that respect from these adults that are helping them through life. And so it's it's important that we teach our kids how to find their voice and to say, no, this is what I need. Mm, I love that. I love that. Thank you. So what specific accommodations are offered to special education students entering onto that next level that we were speaking of, uh, the college campus? Yeah. So um, the Americans with Disabilities Act is it covers any schools that are publicly funded. So any college or university publicly funded, they are required to provide reasonable accommodations to students with disabilities. But unfortunately, unlike high school, there isn't a list. There's nothing where we can go through and say, "Okay, my kid could use this and this and this. Every school gets to decide what's reasonable for each student and how or even if they're going to provide it. So when we're looking at colleges, that's one of the things we need to do as special education parents is reach out to those college campuses and find out what accommodations they offer, what their requirements are, because it's going to vary vastly from school to school. Um, Mm. But some of the most common accommodations that are offered on most college campuses, you're going to find note-taking assistance, um, extended time for exams, a secluded or very quiet testing environment, access to accessible materials, um, access to be able to use assistive technology, and usually permission to record lectures. So, but when we're as as parents and as students, we need to remember that accommodations aren't just what the school can provide, it's what we can do for ourselves. So some of the accommodations that are out there that you don't need a college to say, yeah, go ahead and use this. Mm. Uh, there are tons of note-taking apps out there. I I love OneNote. It allows you to press record so you can record the lecture of the professor. And then as you take notes on your computer, it syncs those two. So when you go back to your notes, you can click on the that line and it will replay what the professor was talking about at that moment. Um, there's, you can... Um, avail yourself of private tutoring. Lots of college campuses have tutoring centers or support centers. Chegg is a great resource. Many textbooks sell their answer keys as a, like a support. You could use that. Um, Look into schools that provide smaller class sizes. Uh, Walk into the classroom and get a seat at the front of the class. 
uh, find a planning app that helps for you. And my favorite one that is just so recent is AI. It is, it's going to change the world and we need Mm -hmm. to figure out how to embrace that. In fact, I've taken um, the AI to my IEP meetings and I have it record my meetings and then it kicks out a summary and a dot by dot of what was talked about and who said what. It's fantastic. So it's just going to get better from here. Oh my goodness. That is a plethora of accommodations that you just (laughs) Oh no, no, no. You are talking at a great pace and that is great information you just shared. And so when a student, and this is just a follow-up question to that one, when a student then arrives on a college campus and they have their accommodations from their high school, then it's important for parents then when they visit the college to seek out that office, I'm thinking that would provide that help. Show them the accommodations, talk to them about that. And then I'm I'm thinking that there would they would probably complete an application or something along those lines, just so that student is recognized as one who is seeking and will be receiving the help. And I know it's probably even on a case-by-case basis, or what are your thoughts regarding that? So my recommendation is that you reach out to the school before um, even accepting. Um, okay admission. You want to know what the school is going to offer and you want to know what the requirements are because every school is going to have a different set of requirements to receive those accommodations. And so that's almost part of the decision-making process is who can best support your child in that in their endeavors in college. And if we don't know what the schools are going to offer and we just show up on campus and we're like, okay, my kid has a disability. What are you going to do for him? Mm-hmm. then we're bound to be disappointed. But if we can go in before the acceptance process and even before the application process, really reach out to that disability center, make them a part of the process from the very beginning. You're listening to your Pointers for Parents podcast, where we support parents with anxiety as it relates to teens transitioning out of the home after high school to get additional tips tossed and or gems dropped Subscribe to our weekly emails by clicking on the link below. Now back to your Pointers for Parents podcast. Mm. Okay, okay, thank you. What tests are taken to decide uh, the high schoolers who are in special education, their ability to be successful? This is a great question because interestingly, most parents that are in this process, they think they know. And Mm -hmm. the true answer is, it is different for every single school. Just like accommodations are different for every single school, the requirements for being eligible for those services is different for every single school. So my recommendation is when you're applying for the school, uh, Google the university's name with the mm-hmm. word um, disability documentation requirements and find out what their actual requirements are. I can give you generalities. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. schools will want a psychoeducational evaluation that is less than three years old. Uh-huh. Oftentimes, uh, they're going to want some type of evidence that you had disability support in high school. But again, every school is different. So knowing exactly what you're going to need before you leave high school is really imperative because high school will test for you. And those are some pretty expensive tests. So you're going to want to get that testing taken care of while you're still in school before moving on to university. 
Okay, okay. Point well taken. Are there any universities that specialize in educating students who have neurodiverse thinking? Any any universities at all? Yes. In fact, you can Google great school, no, greatvaluecolleges.net and put in top colleges for disabled students and it will give you a list. Um, but there are a couple that do it really well. Landmark in Vermont is specifically driven toward neurodiverse students. Beacon in Florida, they actually only accept neurodiverse students. So everything that they do, all of their professors are geared toward supporting kids that are neurodiverse. Um, Arizona, no, University of Arizona has incredible support services. But if you have a school that you are partial to, reach out Mm -hmm. to them and find out what they are. My daughter attended Bowling Green State University, and they have a great support system. Um, She didn't take advantage of it, but as I was looking around on their, their website, I was like, this is awesome. They actually have an additional service, which is additional paid support, but they help your neurodiverse kids organize their classes, take their notes, like mm-hmm. plan their, their um, schedule to make sure that they've plotted everything out so they're going to have enough time to complete all of their projects. So there's a lot of supports out there if you look. Okay. Okay. So it means just taking time out and just, and and that's as parents, I mean, that's part of our role anyway, is to make sure that that we're spending that time and pouring into our students. So, so my, my final question, now, do you believe that students who have qualified for accommodations in college, that they are able to continue learning to their full capacity, uh, given that they are away from home. I mean, there's so much that comes with, you know, I mean, this is a different environment. These are, these are different interactions they're having. I mean, they're students on the college campus, but they're strangers as well. So that's a whole nother component that's added on top of that. And so if so, what can parents do uh, to support them while this whole parenting at a distance? Absolutely. Parenting at a distance is hard for anyone, whether you have mm-hmm. nine diverse kids or not. So, <laughs> and I definitely understand that. In fact, when my oldest went to university for the first time, we were actually living in Manila and she went to Ohio. And so we were, I mean, we were 12 hours time difference. And I bribed her. I said, if every single night when you come into from, you know, out doing whatever you're doing, if you just text me the, the words in for the night, <laughs> I will pay you $1 mm-hmm. a day. And then at the end, oh. her, I sent her 30 bucks and I had peace of mind. It was totally worth it. I mean, just totally worth it. So like we have to kind of think outside of the box, but when you have that neurodiversity in, it can really be a little more stressful as parents. Mm-hmm. So I recommend parents maintain open and honest communication with their kids. Okay. And I think we really need to back off of the, hey, grades, 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 and really mm-hmm that independence for the first time in their life. Yeah, that's just, it's stressful for kids, but it's, and it's stressful for parents, but they're experiencing something that they've never had the opportunity to experience and they're going to make mistakes and we need to allow them to make those mistakes and say, it's okay. And we love you anyway. And how can we help you get back on track? Um, But we can also help them with organization, time management, just kind of asking those questions. What do you have coming up? What's 
How are you going to accomplish that? Oh, that sounds really difficult. What's your plan? Um, encourage our kids to get involved in school activities. Sometimes we send our neurodiverse kids off and they've had a horrible, horrible high school experience. Mm-hmm. And we need to help them realize there are kids out there that have, that are just like them, probably mm-hmm. right on their college campus. And they need to just start joining those groups and find their people. Because if our mm-hmm. kids don't have people, they're going to be so unhappy. Mm-hmm. So encourage them to get involved, find the groups. And if they try a group and it doesn't work, that's okay. There's millions of them. Find something else. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then encourage your kid to get involved in uh, offering service, uh, do getting involved in the services that are available on campus for neurodiverse students. Um, We need to be okay with the discovery and exploration that our kids are going to do. In fact, I heard an interview by Brene Brown the other day, and she said, look, I, if when my kids go to school, the only requirement is they can't have a major. Like, there's no declaration of a major because they should, this is the time you're finding yourself. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that is such a great mentality. And as parents, we really want our kids to get to success as fast as possible. And sometimes we skip over that exploration and discovery, and we need to allow them to experience life. Because honestly... Making mistakes at 18 and recovering from it is way easier than making mistakes at 35 and recovering from it. So let them experience that. And then I really encourage parents to be okay with alternatives. If their kid isn't ready for university, a community college, a trade school, they all have amazing opportunities and they all will still support kids with neurodiversity and provide those accommodations that are required. And then lots of praise. I encourage parents to give lots of praise, no matter what, whether your kid's five or your kid's 25, they need to hear that their mom's proud of them. You're, oh, you're so right about that. I'm so glad you just concluded that talk, that that chat, that response to that answer with that, because, I, you know, we can't give them praise enough. I, I told And so let me ask you this, and this really is my final one, because this was so this information was so impactful. If any of our listeners have any other questions and would like to reach out to you, please, if you will share either your social handles or your website, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Um, I I run the business advocating for fair education for being a number. Uh, and if you want to email me, just lisa at advocating the number for faireducation.com. You can find my website there. That's where my... Uh, Facebook pages, and on Insta, I'm for Fair Education. Ah, awesome. Oh, my goodness. I have been jotting down notes the whole time we've been talking in reference to, uh, you know, helping parents, helping their teens find their strength and helping them to self-advocate and making sure those accommodations are in place. And then, uh, of course, making sure that uh, there, there are colleges out there that where their focus is to help uh, those with neurodiverse thinking. And so, so much good information. I really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thank, you Thank you so very much. much. You're very, very welcome. And so for those listeners, listen, you all have heard it right here. Uh, this is our expert, Lisa Stewart. We're so excited. She's here. And if you all want to re-listen to this uh, recording, if you will, you all know that we're at Pointers for Parents. Uh, of course, this is our podcast here. We're on Instagram and then the other social medias as well. And so 
for now, thank you all for being here. I want to thank Lisa again. Thank you so very much. And, and at some point, maybe we may reach back out and ask you and invite you again, if that's okay. Absolutely. I would love to share more knowledge with you. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Again, take care and we will talk soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Pointers for Parents Podcast.